Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Chris Ria. Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to be with you this morning. What does it look like to be transformed? Transformation is a beautiful thing. When something goes through the process of transformation, it looks one way, then it goes through this process, and it looks a different way. For instance, take a butterfly. You have this little caterpillar that's crawling around the ground, not much to look like, but then it enters into a cocoon, and it becomes this beautiful butterfly, this beautiful creature that flies around. Same thing, I don't know if you've noticed it, everywhere I go, it seems like home renovation is happening. I mean, things are being renovated and turned upside down. You can see home renovation shows anytime you turn on the television also. It's just like, I love watching a house be renovated because it looks one way, And then someone gets a vision for what it could look like. Well, I'm tired of it looking this way, but I get a vision of what it actually could look like. I get some creative people, I design it, and then all of a sudden it can be transformed into a space I absolutely love. Transformation is a beautiful thing. You see it all the time on social media right now, too, with weight loss programs. You see the before and after pics, and the person who just is tired of, of being, not being healthy, and then they lose all this weight, and they, you see the transformation, and, and what it does is it inspires other people to be transformed as well, because transformation is a beautiful thing. And I've been in ministry now 20 years. I've been a Christian since I was five years old. And what never gets old is seeing a person who doesn't know God, who doesn't know Christ, come to know Christ and their entire life transformed by the power of that message. That may be the most beautiful picture of transformation that we can ever see. When a person is living only according to their flesh, only according to what they see in the natural, they don't know any better, but then they have a revelation of what God did for them, that God loved them so much. He sent his son to die on a cross for them, but Jesus didn't stay dead, he rose from the dead. And we put our faith and trust in him and repent of our sins. He cleanses us all from all unrighteousness, puts his Holy Spirit in us. We are seen righteous in God's sight because of him. And then we can live differently. We can live with a supernatural being guiding our lives each and every day. That process of transformation is incredible. I'll never forget when I was a youth pastor and there was this girl who started attending our youth ministry and she came with a friend and she had never attended a church service. She was 15 or 16 years old. The first time she walked into our church building, she had no idea 
why we were singing songs. No idea why people were raising their hands or clapping. No idea of any Bible story. No context for anything. And then she put her faith in Christ and I watched this girl come alive spiritually. She hung on every word that I would say. In fact, she would come sit in the front row with her Bible and she'd be taking notes. While a lot of the other students were just kind of on their phones or, or talking to each other, she was like, shh, this is important. She's on, she's on the edge of her seat taking notes. She, she got into the word of God. She read it cover to cover within a year. She became so passionate. And then she started bringing all these students to our youth group. And they started giving their lives to Christ. It was an incredible thing. Transformation, when it happens, it's an incredible thing. And that's what I love about a new Christian. They get so excited. They, you know, they're passionate about the word. They're listening to podcasts. They're watching YouTube videos. They're asking you questions. They're talking to everyone about the Bible. And it's just inspiring to see. So what happens over the course of time that kind of changes things in the life of a believer? I think what happens is as time goes on, we experience pain, we experience unfortunate life circumstances, we begin to get used to the word of God in our everyday life. We've been to many church services now, we've heard a lot of the stories, and that passion that we once had for God and his word, it kind of dies down just a little bit. The stories don't quite come alive like they used to. And this could happen in our lives in many different areas, right? Like I have this thing in my own life where I fluctuate from seven to 10 pounds all the time. Like I, I get really excited and I'll, for 30 days, I will just say, okay, I'm going on a diet. I'm going to work out every day. And I will. And then after that 30 days, I'll feel so good. But then I go through these seasons where I just kind of want to sit around. I don't want to work out. I don't want to walk around. I want to eat pizza. I want to eat ice cream with chocolate syrup and whipped cream on it. And I just get kind of in that rut. And I, that's kind of how it goes, back and forth and back and forth. And it's the same thing that happens in many areas of our lives because what we begin to pursue, we continually get passionate about, but what takes a back seat in our lives, we begin to forget about and get further and further and further away from. And that's kind of what happens in our Christian walk. That's why Paul in Romans 12, 2, he says this. He says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is his good, pleasing, and perfect will. If you don't know, we started a series last week, and it's basically the top 10 scriptures that people looked up on the YouVersion Bible app during the pandemic. And this was one of them. And so we're going to unpack it a little bit. Paul tells us the secret to transformation in our lives. 
He gives it to us right here. You want to live a, control, a, a, a transformed Christian life. You want to live in the will of God. He lays it out for us right here. And really, it's about emptying our mind of the things that distract us from the word of God, that keep us from walking with him. It's about meditating on God's word. And it's about applying God's word to our everyday lives. I was on a phone call this past week with a 22-year-old guy who had just finished Bible college. And he was so passionate about the Word of God. I mean, he was talking to me, and I could just see this passion ran so deep. And he told me that over the last 10 months, he had read the Bible cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation, that he had studied each book of the Bible, that he'd actually written papers on each chapter, uh, some portions of chapters of each book in the entire Bible, 66 different papers. And he was just so passionate about the Word of God. And it made me think that when you get into it, when you start studying something, when you really go all in on something and it becomes alive, it leads to change in your life. But it's like anything else, the more you ignore something, the less passionate or the less good at it you get. It's like this in the state of Michigan for any of you that are golfers. I don't know about you, but I'm a golfer. And we can only really play golf six months out of the year, right? So what happens is come November, December, we kind of put our clubs away. And then you go through the entire winter without swinging a club. The golf is kind of out of your mind. Then you come back in April or May and you want to pick up a golf club and play as good as you did back in August or September of last year. And if you're a golfer, you know that just doesn't happen. In fact, we make a joke about it. The beginning, mid-season, and end-of-season golf play here in Michigan because it's a real thing. And when you get into April and May and you start thinking about golf again, playing it, swinging the club, practicing your passion comes back, you begin to want to go deeper into it, you begin to hit the ball better and better. So this is what I, what I do when a, when a Christian comes to me and just says, hey man, with everything crazy going on in our world right now, I'm just really struggling with doubt, unbelief. I'm doubting that, that the Bible is actually the word of God. Like I'm struggling. And you know what I say to them is I say, have you been spending time in God's Word? Have you been listening to podcasts? Have you been listening to worship music? Have you been involved in your church, going to church, serving in your church? Have you been doing these things or are you kind of just taking some time to sit on the sidelines right now? And I would say 99% of the time people will honestly say to me, listen, I just haven't picked up that Bible and I don't know how long. I haven't really been listening to Christian music or podcasts. I haven't been going to church as much as I should be. I'm just not into it as much as I used to be. And that's when we begin to have those doubts. That's when we begin to slip away. And I'm telling you, I'm seeing that more and more in the church today. A church that is not 
as hungry for God's word, meditating on it, thinking about it, going after it, a church that's starting a little bit. I'm not trying to say this to bring guilt or condemnation to anybody. I'm preaching to myself today, but a church that's beginning to look a little bit more conformed to this world than transformed by the power and truth of God's word. And here's the thing. There's many reasons that people have stopped reading this book as much as they used to. I mean, let's be honest. We all probably have six or seven of these sitting in our, in our homes, right, at any given time. But we have a lot of distractions in our world. Seems like the world is moving faster than it's ever been moving we have a smartphone that's with us at all times, and it's easy to just wake up, open that thing up, and go. We have a lot of distractions. There are certain parts of God's Word that create more questions than answers sometimes. There's some parts of this Word that are hard to understand, especially in the culture that we live in today, and so we kind of put it aside because we don't understand some of it. Some of us just don't know how it really applies to us today. But I want to tell you something. If we are going to continually be transformed, transformed, if we are going to continually renew our mind and not fall victim to the enemy's schemes, the distractions and temptations of life, if we want to walk in the center of God's word or his will, then we have to get a passion for this back in our lives. We gotta get a passion for God's word back in our lives. And that's the goal of this message, to forget about the past. This is not a condemning message. This is a message that's designed for us to build a hunger for God's word and make it a priority in our lives again. It's not set out of guilt, but I believe with all of me, the only way to live a transformed life, the only way to renew our mind is to get passionate about God's word and fill our mind with his word so that we can walk in his ways. So I want to look at this. I want to I dive a little deeper into studying God's word and address some of the issues that we have. So society will look, our culture will look at God's word and say, well, where our culture is and where the word of God is, it doesn't really line up right now for me. But I want to tell you, in Bible college, I learned this term when it comes to studying the word of God. I'm going to go a little deeper with you. Who's with me this, this morning? All right. We're going to go a little deeper today. There's a word in Bible college, when it comes to studying God's word, that's called eisegesis. Say that after, with me, eisegesis. Eisegesis. Not spelled the way you think, has nothing to do with Jesus Christ, just so you know. Okay, it's eisegesis. It's the interpretation of a text by reading into it one's own ideas. So this is how a lot of people look at the Bible. This is how a lot of people look at God's word. I have my own ideas. I look around, I see the culture, I bring that into reading God's word. I have life experience, I bring that into reading God's word, it's how I interpret the Bible. I've been raised in certain denominations, 
So I bring that tradition and that line of thinking into my Bible reading. So when we pick up God's word, this is why you have so many different denominations and so many different ideas of the same scripture. It's because people pick it up and they try to interpret it with their own ideas, their own state of mind, their own life experiences. It's called eisegesis. It happens all the time. But then you have a term called exegesis. Say that with me. Exegesis. This is critical explanation or interpretation of a text. So what this means is I get rid of my ideas. I open God's word without any preconceived notion, without my traditional background, without any denominational background, without the culture screaming in my face. I pick up God's word and I study it for what it is and not what I want it to be or how I interpret it to be. Big difference. And I think if we get this right, we can really begin to understand how God's word actually does apply to us today and not look at it through the lens that some of us are looking at it through right now. So if you're going to do exegesis, if you're going to be able to do this, there's three things that you have to do with scripture. Like I said, we're gonna go a little deeper. Are you with me today? All right. Three things you gotta do when you're looking at scripture. Number one, you have to observe scripture. You've gotta observe it. Does anyone remember before Netflix, before all these on-demand programs, before DVR even came around, you literally had to turn the TV on and surf through the channels. Who remembers channel surfing? Some of you still do it. You don't have to anymore. I'm just telling you. You don't have to, but it's okay if you do. But we used to surf through the channels if we wanted to find something to watch. And so you'd be surfing through the channels, and then all of a sudden, you would come to a movie that you've been wanting to see, right? So you'd stop, but here's the unfortunate part of surfing through the channels is, You'd be stuck wherever that movie was. Might not be at the beginning, it might be in the middle, might be towards the end, but you really want to see it. You didn't have DVR, so you just started that movie right in the middle when you turned it on. And so you're watching this movie from the middle instead of from the beginning, and you can kind of piece the story together, right? You can kind of piece together what's happening. You're getting, uh, you're starting to learn the characters. You're starting to put it all together. But the truth is, you're missing pieces. And you don't understand certain aspects of this story. And you might watch it till it ends and say, you know, that was good, but I, some things are missing. Well, this is how a lot of people interpret Scripture is we don't realize that the story from Genesis to Revelation, what it really says, how to interpret the Old Testament versus the New Testament, how to interpret some of the things that the Israelites were under, the law they were under, the Levitical priests, the Levitical law, things that they did that don't really apply to us today, but we can learn from. But then how to kind of put it together, what actually applies to us Christians who walk with God, and how to interpret that scripture and live our lives according to it. So there's this observation we've got to do with scripture. So let's take, for example, Romans 12, 2. We read it earlier. 
I want to talk to you about how we could observe this scripture a little bit. So if we're going to observe it, we have to understand the book of Romans. Who wrote the book of Romans? So Paul wrote the book of Romans. He's writing to the Roman community. That's his original audience. He wrote it in the year 57 or 58 AD. That's what best scholars believe it to be written. So that was a community when Paul was writing to them he had not yet visited. This is important because a lot of his other epistles, he's writing to churches that he planted, churches that he was with the people face to face. Romans, he had not visited this church yet. And we know this because we can follow his missionary journeys. And we see that at the time of writing this, he had not yet visited these people in Rome. So he's trying to explain, build credibility for who he is as an apostle. And he's trying to explain to them the entire gospel from the beginning to the end. In fact, if you look at Romans chapter 1 through 8, God lays out his plan of salvation, including some key doctrines in there. He lays out justification by faith in Christ alone. Christ's righteousness actually being transferred and imputed on us. Freedom from the penalty and the power of sin and the power of eternal life. So 1 through 8 is all about God's plan for salvation for Gentiles. And he does touch on Israelite salvation in there as well. But you got to read that because he, he takes a lot of time to set up how you come to Christ, how you walk with God now that we have Jesus dying on the cross, raising from the dead, and we have the Holy Spirit. This is how we are to live. This is how, you, this is the plan for salvation. Then, chapters 12 through 16 are our response to God's plan and his grace in our lives. So if you were to pick up Romans 12 and begin reading 12 through 16, it looks like there's a lot of things we have to do to earn our way towards good standing with God. But that's because you didn't find the you didn't observe the beginning part of Romans 1 through 8 where God where Paul talks about God's plan for salvation and everything he did for us. So if we don't have that part, we miss the response. And this is what trips people up. We get a works-based faith from this. But if you break Romans 12 down, 1 through 2 deals with our attitude towards God. 3 through 13 deals with our attitude towards our fellow man. And 14 through 21 deals with our attitude towards our enemies. Some of y'all need to go back and read that a little bit right now. So when we observe the book of Romans, we can see that the book is written in the New Testament. It's written in the New Covenant. Christ has died. He's rose again. He's given us the Holy Spirit. Completely different observation than if we were reading something in the Old Covenant or the Old Testament. In the dispensation of the law, we are now reading this in the dispensation of grace. I know I'm going a little deep with you. Well, are you hanging with me? Yeah. All right. So if you look at Romans 12, 1, it says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. 
this one verse to the people reading it in Rome would have blown their minds. Because he's talking about how to worship God as a living sacrifice. You've got to understand up until this point, when someone was not right with our holy God, they had to kill an animal. They had to make a sacrifice. And that animal's blood actually brought them into right standing with God. So now Paul's talking about being a living sacrifice. Totally new concept to the church in Rome, to people believing in Rome. Totally new. You no longer had to kill an animal. Jesus became the last sacrifice and our response to the grace of God, to the Spirit of God, to walking with God is living our lives in tune with the message of the cross, with the Spirit of God, walking in tune with Him as a living sacrifice. That's that's what creates holiness and that is what's pleasing to God. Totally different new message. But this comes when we observe And this comes when we understand what those first eight chapters in Romans was all about. So that's the context. Context and observation is so important when we're reading Scripture. So once we observe that, that's what's taking place. That's where we are. Now we can go ahead and interpret Romans 12, 2. What does it mean now in the context and the observation we're, we're in? So let's look at Romans 12, 2 once again. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So now when we begin to interpret this Scripture in the context that it's in, we begin to look at some of the Greek words. We begin to go a little deeper to find out what this verse is saying. Because I don't know about you, I want God's will for my life. I want to live a transformed life. I want to renew my mind. How do I do it? What does that look like? Let's dive a little deeper into this. So, this verse is saying, Do not copy the behaviors and customs of this world. And back in, with the original audience in Rome, this was a big deal because Rome was the epicenter of the world. Being a Roman was more important than being a Christian at most, in most situations. So to say, do not conform to the patterns of Rome, but be transformed by this message of the gospel was a very hard message for the church to receive. I think we deal with that a little bit here in our country as well. We're so proud to be an American. I am. I know I am. But sometimes we can bring those customs into what Jesus, we we get a little confused on, on the two sometimes. But this was no different than in Rome. In Rome, they had all these traditions that, Paul was now saying, hey, you might not be able to conform to those patterns anymore. One of those traditions was the worshiping of many gods. So to tell the church in Rome, to tell people in Rome, okay, you have one God now? 
This was a huge deal. This alone. But Paul's saying, don't conform. Don't keep doing what the, the Romans are doing. This is a message of Christ. It's completely different. So do not conform to the patterns of the culture around you, but be transformed by renewing your mind. Completely new way to behave. When you look at that word world, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, it's translated the spirit of which moves us contrary to the will of God in our lives. Whatever moves is contrary to the will of God in our lives. Do not be conformed to that. That word transform actually means transfigured. And transfigured, when you study that word, it appears in the New Testament four times. Twice in this passage. Or once in this passage, twice when Jesus is transfigured in front of Peter, James, and John and once in 2 Corinthians, which I think is very interesting. Because when you look at the transfiguration of Jesus, when he was transfigured in front of Peter, James, and John, it was that the glory of God shone through him, not on him. Very different. You had times in Scripture where you heard the voice of God. John the Baptist is baptizing Jesus, right? You hear the voice of God. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. That's shining on Jesus. When Jesus is transfigured, the glory of God shines through him. God was giving a glimpse of Peter, James, and John This is how you're going to be able to show the world who I am. The glory of God will shine through you just like it's shining through Christ right now. I know this because Paul writes it in 2 Corinthians 3.18, the fourth place where the word transfigured or transformed is. Paul says this, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed or transfigured into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is spirit. So being transformed for a believer, renewing our minds, being transfigured is to actually walk around this earth with the spirit of the living God shining through us that makes it evident for the world to see who Christ is in us. It's powerful. That word renewing of our mind includes intellect, will, and emotion. And this is where we get hung up. All of that stuff that I just mentioned seems great. Be transformed, read God's word. Here's the problem, our minds. Our minds are our greatest gift and our biggest curse. Our minds are our greatest gifts and biggest curse. There's literally a battlefield raging in there all the time, right? And it's processing through everything. It's processing through all of the pain, the experiences, the fear, the the turmoil, everything going on in our country, but it's also processing all the good word of God, the truth of his word, and we, we have this dichotomy, we have this thing going on in our minds. Good, evil, what's our future look like? Should I do this? Should I do that? And our minds just are constantly going all the time. 
So Paul is saying, if you are going to renew your mind, you have to change the way you process information. You've got to change the way you think about things. If you're going to be transformed, if you're actually going to walk around as a person who shows Christ through you to the world, we've got to change the way we think, the way we process information. We have to renew it constantly. You see, when we see someone behave in a poor way, make a poor choice, say something off color, most people, they just want to will, write there, correct that behavior. They just want to say, man, that was a poor choice. But what I'm always interested in is what led to that? And where, what led to that choice was right here. There's something going on that's broken in the renewing of our mind. We've processed information wrongly. We've shoved things deep down inside. We've experienced trauma. We've experienced pain. And because of that, our minds have gone crazy and it makes us do or say things we shouldn't or are not proud of. And sometimes people say, I don't even know why I said that or I did that. Our minds. So it's important to renew our minds with the Word of God. It's so important to renew it. To put good things in it because I can guarantee throughout a 24-hour period of time the majority of what's going into our mind is negative. And what it's doing is it's causing us to self-protect and when we're in self-protect, fight-or-flight mode, we are not making decisions from a godly, transfigured, transformed place. We're making decisions from survival mode. And this is why this message is so important. We've got to learn to renew our minds. And I'm telling you, the, way, the only way I know how is to get into this word. To put as much of this word in our heads to put as much of Christian culture into our heads, as much of sermons, messages, worship music, prayer, put it in there. There's a new... Before I get into that, that's interpreting the text. So you have observe, you have interpret, and then you have apply. So it's great. I know a lot of people who know God's Word. Like even Jesus said, hey, you know the scriptures, but you don't know me, right? So it's one thing to interpret, to observe the text and to interpret, and it's a whole nother thing to then apply it. Like it does us no good to hear a message on transformation then go back to our old life and never apply what we learned, right? So the only way to see true transformation in our life is to apply what we learn to our life. In this situation, it means going home, getting passionate for this word, creating a time every day to dive into it, downloading some Bible study tools, getting a commentary or Bible study book, going deeper in the word of God, 
that's applying. And I don't want anyone to go get overwhelmed by this message because it's easy to do. Well, man, if it takes that much to understand God's word, I'm, I have no, no shot at it. Yes, you do. Because what you pursue, you become passionate about. What you're passionate about, you go deeper in. Get passionate about it. Read God's word. Put it in your heart. When you get confused, when you get come to a passage you don't sure how to apply, go deeper in it. That's applying it to our lives. You know, there's a very popular practice right now outside of the church. It's more of like a new age practice. It's called mindfulness. And mindfulness, it's all about trying to deal with the fear, the pain, and the stress and process it in your mind. It's about clearing your mind and giving your mind a break. See, some of us never give our minds a break at all. So what this is rooted in without the Bible, without a Christian background, is this is rooted in trying to give people a break in their mind. So what people will do is they'll take 10 minutes and they'll sit down, they'll shut their eyes, and they'll breathe in and they'll breathe out. And the whole practice is about focusing on your breathing and trying to clear your mind. And when you start, your mind starts to wander, it's like, nope, just come back and focus on breathing. And it's designed to make you one with yourself and give your mind a break. And that's fine. I understand why people without God's word would do that. But we have God's word. And you see, meditation is a godly thing. In fact, you look throughout scripture, meditate on the word of God. I meditate on your word day and night. Meditating on scripture is an important thing. But instead of trying to become one with ourselves, we're supposed to become one with God. Download God's heart to us and our heart to him. And I think this is really important because if we don't give our minds a break daily and give, just connect with God, little by little, that stress, that anxiety, that fear begins to take over. People are eating less, they're sleeping less, they're stressed out, they're on meds. This is the world we live in. And a lot of it is because We're not processing the information that Paul's telling us right here 2,000 years ago. People say the word of God can't apply today. He told us 2,000 years ago how to avoid stress and anxiety and fear and all these things. It's renewing your mind. This is how you live transformed with peace and joy and hope. It's right here. So what I want to do is I want to lead you in just a moment of meditated guided prayer where we shut our minds down and just focus on the things of God. So I'm going to ask everyone just to shut their eyes with me for a moment. This is called a one-minute pause. I get this from John Eldridge. He has a book called Get Your Life Back. And in this book... 
he talks about how because of 24-hour news and our smartphones, our brains are in a constant state of trauma several times throughout the day. We're actually living in trauma for the first time in human history because we have access to more information we ever have. It's a great thing, but it's also really hard for our minds to process. And so if we're going to process all of the trauma, all of the pain, all of the hard things in this world, we've got to take a moment to give God our worries and to fill our minds with the things of him. So here's what I'm going to ask. We're going to do one minute. I want you to just listen to me and I want you to try to clear your mind. Already your mind is going, I guarantee it, into different directions. That's okay. Just try to keep bringing it back to my voice. So here's what we're going to do. Just focus on my voice. Give all your worries and cares to God because He cares for you. Jesus, right now, we give everyone and everything to you. Jesus, we give everyone and everything to you. Father, we give ourselves to you for union with you. We are created for union with you, O oh God. I give everything up in this moment to connect with you, God. You are everything to me. I need you, Jesus. I give you my stress. I give you my burdens. I give you my loved ones. I give you my future. I give everything and everyone to you, God, right here in this moment. Calm my mind, Lord. Renew my mind. Let your word be the first thing on my mind and the last thing on my mind. Help me to process my emotions, my day-to-day through my connection to you and through the word of God. I give everything and everyone to you, Jesus. Thanks again for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. For more messages like this and other resources, visit us online at cccsterling.org.